Those first three months in LA was a pretty social period, but I really cut back on a lot of that once the debt started to accumulate that a big Friday night for me was a $5 foot long from Subway. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. I'm your host, Todd Christensen, and today I speak with an LA entertainment professional about his personal finance journey from college football standout to seeking the James Bond lifestyle in Eastern Europe to getting into and out of debt as a Hollywood actor. Don't miss his story. You find out life's a game of inches. Alvin Cowan is a veteran actor, writer, and producer from Austin, Texas, who has worked with legends like Clint Eastwood, James Caan, Bradley Cooper, and Bruce Willis. Alvin has a passion for sports and his football prowess led him to become a record-setting quarterback at Yale, where he was inducted into the All-Era team. He then briefly played professional football with both the NFL and AFL. After his athletic career, he moved to LA where he landed a breakout recurring role in ABC's Back in the Game, followed quickly by a supporting role in Clint Eastwood's American Sniper. He recently appeared on season two of HBO's critically acclaimed series Westworld and had a recurring role of Emmy-nominated um, uh, Emmy nominated This Is Us. He will next be seen in the highly anticipated Indie International Falls alongside Rachel Harris and Rob Hubel and guest starring in the final season of the AMC hit Better Call Saul. It is my pleasure to welcome you, Alvin Cowan, to The Money Fit Show. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you here and uh, hope things are going well. We're, I got a, a question to start us off today and it's a question i ask most often and uh to my guests and it is this did you always want to be an actor <laughs> uh no uh, i always wanted to be a football player um right and and uh you know i kind of went to the end of that line and and was searching for um you know something i, I think you know a couple of years there was spent really searching and trying to figure out um you know, what the next step might be. And, and that, that search happened to be in Los Angeles. And mm -hmm. if you've ever been to Los Angeles or spent any time in Los Angeles, um, you know, you, you can kind of get bit by the entertainment bug. And since I was out there and, and had broken up with a girlfriend and, uh -huh. and just figured, you know, I'm 24 I'm 25 and you only, you only live once. I, I might as well see what this is all about. So right. it was not planned. Let's put it that way. So you, when you moved to LA, you didn't move as the, uh, you know, the quintessential act would be actor with $5 in your pocket and a dream. You moved there for just, just to move there. No, I, I moved in a fit of passion, Todd. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had a, a girlfriend at the time. I had spent some time uh, traveling and actually working in Eastern Europe. Um, and, and I had a girlfriend all through that time for about a year and I, I had been abroad and, she was finishing up a master's at USC and, and it was kind of like when I was done traveling in Eastern Europe, I, I, it was either go back to Austin, my hometown and kind of 
work in insurance and, you know, have the white picket fence and the two dogs and all that stuff. Or, right. or, you know, she was saying, come out to LA. And, um, I went out to LA, it, it spent a, about a week with her. Um, and, and three days later I was back with all my, my stuff in a U-Haul ready to, oh, to really? move, move to LA. Really? Um, okay. little did I know she had plans to break up with me two weeks later, but, <laughs> but that's the story for another time. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, okay. So you, 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 after your football career, you, then you headed off to Europe. Is that right? Or were you in Europe playing? Yeah, no, I, I, my, my football career post-college was, was, um, you know, a cup of coffee, as we say, um, Mm -hmm. that I, I never really made a team, you know, I had a few kind of close calls and, and was on, in, uh, what amounted to a practice squad for yeah. an arena football team, but yeah. it ultimately kind of got to the point where they were offering me minor league type uh, professional contracts. And, yeah. and I had had my knees and had my shoulders and, you know, had, it hadn't had too many concussions and, and, you know, the money um, just didn't make sense. So yeah. um I gave it up. And, and at the time I, I met a guy at a Christmas party and he painted this, um, you know, James Bond lifestyle that just enamored me. Uh, he was talking about, um, you know, partying on yachts with Saudi princes, princes and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, what do you do? And he kind of told me and I didn't understand it, but he offered to connect me. And, and I ended up having this job, um, went to training in Amsterdam and then did a project in Romania and, and Albania. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you've ever been abroad and, and spend any time in a hotel room where there's kind of these infomercial style commercials, uh, kind of pitching a country for investment. Um, we made those. And, and, and so I spent about six months in, in Romania and, um, about two months in Albania, uh, kind of making those. And, and I think the key point for that as it related to my later life was that was kind of my introduction to production. Um, yeah. uh, but it, it ultimately was kind of a lonely period of life in a time where I was still kind of trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with myself. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately I decided that, um, you know, spending time in Eastern Europe was in, in kind of, um, that part of the world was, was away from my family and friends and, you know, the things that I knew was not, not what yeah. I wanted. So um, that, that, that caused that transition back to LA that I mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. So you took the, you took the, uh, the, the advantage of the opportunity to learn some new skills, which you, you didn't realize you were going to use really in the future, but necessarily, right? That's right. It, I mean, I wish I could say that I had more of a plan, Todd. Uh, you know, I, I think that my plan had always been to be a pro football player. And yeah. I, I grew up in, you know, a city in Texas with a big high school, you know, straight out of Friday Night Lights. And um, every every uh, town in Texas, right? Right, right. And and mine certainly was that, you know, we had yeah. yeah. 15,000 people at our, our Friday night games. and. Wow produced, I went to the same high school as Drew Brees and Nick Foles and, you know, mm. some, some professional football players. And and so that was just, you know, what you grew up thinking you were going to do, you know, it was, right. you, you were going to play varsity football, then you were going to play college football, then you were going to play pro football. Yeah. And, and so I really struggled, um, 
you know, figuring out what I wanted to do because my whole plan and identity had kind of been tied up in, in being a football player. So, um, those, those, you know, fate or, or, you know, destiny or whatever you want to call it. Um, I I think I was just kind of bumbling around, um, you know, upset that I wasn't playing football. (laughs) Um, and, and, but, but, you know, looking back on it, 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 it really did make sense. It really was the first time that, that I started to acquire some knowledge in a field, you know, that I wasn't familiar with. And, and I still use, you know, some of the things that I learned, um, in Eastern Europe today. And, and, um, yeah, so those, those skills ended up, ended up being fortuitous. Well, uh, let me, let me ask you this as a, as a, as a NFL hopeful. I mean, you played, you play, you started for, was it two years at Mm -hmm. Yale? Mm -hmm. Two years. Um, and you did quite well, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, you were a standout there, um, and I and I think you're uh, player of the week and and other uh, you know all all era and so forth. Sure. So you got these hopes of NFL playing and NFL contract. Um, how did was that always in your back mind in the back of your mind that hey, a year from now I could be a multimillionaire. Uh, <laughs> And what was the dangers or what were the things that you had to, you, you, maybe some of the missteps or some of the things you had to avoid to be, to uh, being careful with that thought? Yeah. A great question. Um, you know, growing up, you, you get warned a lot. My dad certainly, you know, told me all the time, you know, just, you can't put, eventually your football career will end, whether you're Tom Brady at 45 or whether you're, <laughs> Alvin Cowan at 22, um, eventually it comes to an end for everybody and you need to have a plan. And, and I'll be honest, Todd, I just didn't like that thought, you know, it, 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 it it was in my mind, my purpose that was to play football. And, and so I felt like anything that distracted for that or any kind of plan B planning, um, was, was, you know, pulling me away from, from my focus and purpose. Um, and I think that that, that energy and that motivation, um, and that singular focus did help me achieve in my football career. I think it was part of the reason why, you know, I was as successful as I was Mm -hmm. at the college level, um, was because there, you know, I wasn't as social as, as a lot of the guys on the team, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of, my dad told me when I went off to college, you can choose, uh, you can choose football school or girls, but you can only choose two of them. And, (laughs) and I chose football and school and, and I, I kind of lived in the library and worked out and, you know, that was me. Um, So, you know, when it, it was never about money, I guess is, is, is really what I'm saying is, is I, when I had the opportunities to play, you know, professionally, it, it was just, I was burnt. I was lit up with such a passion for the experience of the game and the, and the camaraderie and all of the culture around it. Um, that, that that's what I, I yearned for. Um, the money was just a nice icing on the cake. And, and it turns out, you know, I, I didn't make much. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and there certainly is an allure to, um, you know, that, that possibility. I think it's much less, um, 
uh, money than, than people kind of think. I, I had one of my teammates ended up being on, you know, in the league for five or six years and he was kind of always making veterans minimum. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that set him up nicely and he was smart with it. You know, he bought a couple of rental properties, um, in the cities in which he was, he was, well, what became rental properties. He lived in them while he was there. And then when he moved teams, he would rent them out. And, and that I think has provided a nice um, stream of passive income for him and, and set up his life quite well. So it's not to say that, you know, um, there wasn't money there. It, it, it was just to say that, um, you know, I, I don't think that's why I was pursuing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was more interested in, in the game. And and I think it really left me, uh, I don't know, I, I struggled with money for many years thereafter and, mm-hmm. and, and um, don't think that I was terribly prepared for the life that I ended up choosing um, as somebody with an inconsistent income. Yeah. You, uh, you, you, you mentioned that when you, you moved to LA then, um, financially un, uh, somewhat unprepared then, uh, even after having worked for a few months in, in Europe. Um, I think you mentioned to me earlier that, uh, that you got into some things that, uh, looking back very briefly, I mean, very shortly thereafter, that, that you wish you'd not have got into some contracts or some things that were pretty tough to deal with. Yeah. I, I um, you know, like I said, I, I, I was enamored by the, the James Bond lifestyle that I had been pitched at the party. Um, turns out that that was not the lifestyle that that job entailed. Um, but I think that I always kind of considered it almost like a paid vacation, not to say I wasn't working hard. It was just, I wasn't saving or, or, you know, looking to try to build any kind of financial uh, portfolio. Um, You know, I was 23 living in Eastern Europe and, and I wasn't being paid a whole lot of money to do the job that I was doing, but whatever money I was being paid, I was spending. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I guess to say that, you know, that experience wasn't necessarily one of financial responsibility and it wasn't an experience where I felt like I was taking care of myself. I I lived in a hotel that was paid for by the company. I had a rental car that was paid for by the company. You know, my food was taken care of. So it it was, it was not, you know, a financial education. So when I, when I went to LA, um, you know, I, I, I moved into an apartment right on the sunset strip and, you know, was paying ungodly amounts of money for that apartment and signed up for a, a fan in the two weeks that I was still with the girlfriend at the time. I, I, she convinced me to sign up for this fancy gym in Beverly Hills. She committed, convinced me that that was where you did all your networking, um, which maybe the is the true guy that you were uh, out of college, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it works for, uh, uh, you know, it worked for her, but it, it was not working for me. But all I got was $160 a month of gym bill that I didn't need. Um, yeah. uh, and my dad had made a deal that, that he would help me get settled in LA for three months. But after that, I was on my own. And, and that was tough. That was a real break in our relationship. I, I was used to kind of being supported. Um, and and he said, no more, you're, you're an adult, you need to figure it out. And yeah. 
the, 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 a long-winded answer to say, Todd, that, that that's what you were alluding to, which is I ended up kind of, you know, getting in quite a bit of debt um, thereafter because I, I, I had all these bills that I had signed up for, these contracts mm-hmm. that I had signed up for, and I got out of the ones that I could, but, you know, I, was, I didn't have a job and, and um, you know, I, I lived a, a big life for about three months and then reality came crashing down when I wasn't living off of my, my parents yeah. anymore. And, yeah. and that, that next, I spent about two years digging out of that hole. Um, I, I ended up by the grace of some friends being able to, to live rent free a couple of places for, for three months stints, um, yeah. which is, you know, fairly common in LA, but yeah. maybe not elsewhere. And that really helped settle me, but um, it, it took about two, two, two and a half hard years of, of, mm. of kind of getting out of credit card debt, getting out of, you know, um, the debt that I had accumulated. Um, I, I like what this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What were some, what were some of the hardest calls you had to make uh, financially uh, during that, that time? I mean, uh, there were certain contracts you had to deal with or finding work or dealing with, uh, you mentioned a little, some debt. I mean, what were, what were the, the, the things that you looking back, like, okay, that was the hardest thing to make it through that. I I'm proudest that I made it through or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I think I learned in year one um, that I had signed up for some bad contracts. And, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't renew those, Um, you know, the, 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 the $160 gym turned into, you know, 24 hour fitness for, for $19 a month. Um, And I, I further think that, you know, I was never, I don't know. There were time periods in my life when I was terribly social and, you know, at time periods in my life where I wasn't. And, and those first three months in LA was, was a pretty social period. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but I really cut back on a lot of that. Once the debt started to accumulate, I I like to say that a big Friday night for me was a $5 foot long from, from subway. Um, so I really cut back on kind of my entertainment and going out and restaurants and such. Um, and then further, I would say that um, I spent some hard years living in some pretty, you know, crappy places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I slept on uh, I slept on an air mattress uh, in a buddy's apartment. His girlfriend um, had moved out, and and he, you know, still had three months on his lease, and basically offered me, you know, if I would come and pay a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, he'd give me his living room more or less. And then he and I ended up moving in together uh, with a third roommate in a, in a, in a two bedroom apartment where we turned the dining room into a third bedroom. Um, And three guys split, you know, the rent of what should have been two. And, and, and like I said, that, that really stabilized my life in LA. I I found a place where I could live for 600 bucks a month. um, What, where which is not common, you know, in yeah. LA. And, and, yeah. and I spent four or five years there. Um, and that really allowed me to kind of pursue the actor lifestyle of kind of inconsistent jobs. And, and yeah. um, I, I think the last thing that I would mention is that, is that I did find some stable income. Um, it wasn't much, uh, but I, I parlayed my football at, experience into some football coaching in a local high school mm-hmm. and they paid me a stipend um, yeah. uh, for the football season. And then I was able to kind of hang on and, and, 
you know, do some work for them in, in the off seasons and in the summer. And I looked at like a 20, 2008 pay stub. And I think I made $26,000 that year. The whole year. <laughs> um, the whole year but living in LA. Living in LA. That's right. And, and, but I had cut my expenses such that, you know, that was about a break even year for me. Um, yeah. uh, so yeah, yeah take advantage of the BYO AM, right? Bring your own air mattress. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So those were hard decisions. I mean, yeah. it certainly wasn't comfortable. Um, no. uh, but I, at, at that point I had, I had, become enamored with the entertainment business and, and had decided that that's what I wanted to pursue. And those felt like, you know, the sacrifices that I needed to make to do that. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, uh, It really sounds like what, what, what euphemistically is called uh, opportunities to learn a lesson. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) So now you, you transition and you're going through a lot of different, really big transitions. I mean, in, in just a short period of time, mm-hmm. but you transition into um, uh, focusing on acting, uh, which is known for its, um, uh, we can say, in inconsistent income. <laughs> right? Yes. Did Do you feel that uh, this experience that you had just gone through helped you uh, prepare for that inconsistency or were there some more lessons to be learned down the road? Yeah. Um, I think that looking back on it, I was learning a lesson without realizing that I was learning a lesson, which was mm-hmm. that, that, uh, and this is, you know, to the extent that I, I am giving any kind of financial advice for, for anybody <laughs> uh, with an inconsistent income, this has my, been my big lesson, which is that, uh, you know, you look at the, even the famous movie stars, the Mark Wahlbergs, the, the Dwayne, the Rock Johnsons of the world, they, they, they've, they don't rely on their creative endeavor to be, you know, they, they, they diversified their business portfolio such that they've got a stream of revenue coming in, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they're not acting. And so, you know, Wahlberg owns Wahlbergers and he owns, you know, the, 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 mineral water company and the rock owns the tequila brand. And the so you're seeing these guys, you know, who have branded themselves and, and they're diversifying such that they're not reliant on, um, you know, the creative income. Yeah. The next job. And and I heard a great story about Jonah Hill and, and I don't know if it's true or not, but um, we'll tell it anyway. I'll- yeah. We'll tell it anyway. That's right. Um, he, he apparently took a lot of the money that he made from those early movies, like super bad and whatever, and, and did that and, and diversified and saved. And, um, it, it, it allowed him to take the role in Wolf of Wall Street, which, you know, kind of broke him out into a different category in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it allowed him to take that for, for what amounted to scale for him, which is about $60,000. Um, and, you know, Jonah Hill's worth a lot more than $60,000 to a movie, but he wanted to work with Martin Scorsese and they didn't have the money to pay him, I think probably because they were paying DiCaprio and, 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 and Scorsese. Um, So he got to take a creative risk because he was financially secure. And, and though that's the lesson that I ended up learning with the football career. What ended up being, I ended up coaching at that school for 10 years. I ended up becoming the head coach at that school. Um, And, and it became a reliable, stable income such that it allowed me to, to, to not, not, 
um, depend on the creative endeavors. Now, eventually, you know, those creative endeavors became lucrative enough that, that, that I um, wasn't, you know, needing to coach football. And, and since then, um, you know, we've taken, my wife and I have taken some of that money and, and put it into a, a couple of rental properties over the years. And so yeah. I guess the point is that we've always tried to find a stream of revenue outside of kind of the inconsistent revenue to level off those ups and downs. And, and that has been a real key to us, you know, being able to kind of live the lifestyle that we want. That's cool. I, I, that, uh, it's a great, uh, lesson that uh, we wish most of us had learned earlier but this you're you're now moving into um i mean you're still acting mm-hmm. but you're also looking at um producing writing producing it, and that that situation you you're putting yourself in that's that's a real key to that being able to do that yeah i i i mean as I looked at the business, um, you know, I had I had some pretty good years early on, certainly commercially. Um, you know, the entertainment business is a little bit like, you know, I would imagine Silicon Valley or something in that it's it's constantly in flux. And, and you know, I was I was very much in style for a certain period of time for branding and commercial purposes. And then I was very much out of style for a little while. And mm-hmm. um, and so I. I I couldn't sit still, um, you know, just waiting for auditions that, that, that lifestyle was just not for me. Um, and so I realized that, you know, as a writer, um, I, I had a, on that ABC show that I was on early on, um, a friend of mine, the showrunner, the guy who ran that show became a very close friend of mine and somewhat of a mentor. And he was, you know, kind of encouraging me to write and, and um, so I started diversifying skills, right, and yeah. and um, figuring out new ways to 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 spend my time. Uh, really, uh, yeah. I realized that writing was a was a solitary pursuit, and I didn't need anybody to to ask for me to audition in order to write a script. So, mm. um, you know, it took it took a number of years for me to get proficient to the point of. Um, you know, that being a marketable commodity for me. Um, and, and the same with producing, I, I, I still would classify myself as, as, you know, the number one kind of line producer, the guy who runs the set or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly more on the creative development side in the production. Um, but I, I've, I've realized that, you know, being able to wear multiple hats has allowed me to, again, find different revenue streams. Um, and, and so when I'm, you know, busy as an actor, um, you know, I, I don't write much, but, but yeah. when I'm not busy as an actor, um, it, it, it's, it's nice to be able to pitch a script or be able to find a different revenue stream, um, for, for some of those projects. Absolutely. Uh, interested to, to ask this question. What, what would your uh, high school English teachers think about you being a writer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> They would not believe it. In fact, I, I, I don't think that my high school English teacher uh, thought of me as much of anything besides the guy who slept in her class. <laughs> uh, she'd probably be, uh, be be proud of you now. She would. She would. She would. I, I, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but yeah. yeah she, but- um, I, 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 English was not my subject, actually. I, I, I do think that um, I, it's 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 funny because I, my mom was kind of the, my dad was a bit of a drill sergeant and, and, you know, a good man, but, 
but mm-hmm. you know, he was a, he was a rule guy, you know, and, yep. and a disciplined guy. And my mom was much more the artist. And, and um, I think I got a lot of encouragement for my writing from my mom. And so I kind of mm-hmm. always felt like I had this talent because my mom was always kind of telling me I had, I had a talent as, as moms tend to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, I may not have ever been, a writer per se, but I always felt like I was a good writer. Um, And I think that that encouragement and motivation maybe led to some arrogance or overconfidence later on when I felt like I could just sit down at a computer and write a script. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the confidence is important. I mean, that's in in LA, you need that uh, to, to ensure you against uh, the the inevitable rejection that you're going to get. That's, that's for sure. The, 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 if you don't believe in what you're doing or have a passion for what you're doing, um, it's going to be a long road in, in the entertainment business. Alvin, I've uh, been really enjoying our conversation and, and learning more about your experiences. And, and I, I love the, the, what you've shared about not just life transitions, but uh, the, this diversification been really, really interesting and, and, and good ideas. Let me, uh, let me ask you this, uh, kind of coming down to the last couple of questions. Do you have, um, you know, looking back or uh, at, at advice that you would have gotten in your younger years or lessons that you've learned since, um, what's one thing that you would like to share with, if you had been gone back to visit um, the younger Alvin um, coming out of college or any com- coming into LA, is there something you would have shared with him that uh, maybe our audience could also benefit from? Yeah. You know, I, I, it's a little bit of a, a a small nuance to the point I made earlier about passive income, but, but um, you know, I I was always taught growing up somewhat from a, um, a grandmother's depression era mindset that, you know, the, the way that you get wealthy is you just save, 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 Mm -hmm. save, you know, until, until, you know, you just have gobs of cash or, you know, whatever you can do to put money away was the way to kind of secure your um, comfort or, or security. Uh, and, and I've learned um, a little bit that that really I feel like ownership is is where it's at and, and having, um, you know, an ownership stake, being able to own something, you know, whether that's you know, a lemonade stand or, or a rental property or a, you know, multi-million dollar business. Um, I, I think when you're able to take an ownership stake into, into something, um, you know, you're able to produce that passive revenue stream. And, and so I wish that instead of focusing on, you know, outside of a, a small emergency fund and, you know, a few, uh, you know, getting on top of my monthly budget, I, I really wish that I had taken any leftover money. I, I, as I mentioned, I had a couple of years where I was very in vogue branding wise and, and I, I booked three or four national commercials and it was, mm-hmm. you know, a huge year for me. And um, it, it's funny, my wife and I joke about those few years. That, that was the year I met her. And I think she thought that I was <laughs> a lot more <laughs> successful than I was. So I was really able to pull the wool over her eyes, you know, riding, uh, riding the wave. That's right. That's right. But um I wish, and, and we, we, we traveled a lot and, and those were amazing experiences, great memories. My dad, another small piece of advice, my dad always said, spend money on memories. And I, and I think that's, 
that's proven to be true on my life. That there's the, the only non-renewable resource is time. And, and I wish I had taken a little bit of that money and put it toward memories and a little bit of that money and put it toward ownership a, a lot earlier on. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of ownership. It's a very, it's a, there is definitely a mentality switch that you make uh, going from uh, depending on somebody else to uh, taking, taking charge yourself. That's right. That's right. And there's a sense of pride, I think, that goes along with that, right? When, when, yeah. when you're able to, to buy something and provide, you know, opportunities for other people to work. And um, uh, I'm going through that right now. I'm, I'm, I'm building out my production company and, um, you know, it's cool to take some of the lessons that you've learned and the relationships that you have and, and provide other people the opportunity to kind of contribute. And, and um, that's, that's kind of the pro- point in the process where I'm at at, the, at this point. And, and, you know, it's given me a lot of pride and, and happiness to see other people be able to, to kind of succeed off, 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 um, you know, the ownership stake that I have in my production company. Yeah. Yeah. You had another life transition from uh, for you. So, hey, yeah. uh, Alvin, how can our listeners uh, connect with you online? Where, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm probably um, most active on on Twitter. Uh, it's just at Alvin Cowan. Um, I also put out a newsletter through my, my website um, for my production company where you can kind of find our latest updates. It's uh, mm-hmm. simpaticomedia.xyz. And that's S-I-M-P-A-T-I-C-O media.xyz. You can sign up there. Awesome. I'll uh, definitely put those in the show notes and uh, encourage our listeners to check them out, to follow you on Twitter and uh, take, take some of those uh, great lessons learned and, and use them ourselves. Alvin Cowan, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today at the Money Fit Show and sharing your experiences. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Todd. Enjoyed it. You bet. Hey, for our uh, listeners, please do check out our podcast archives at moneyfit.org slash podcast. And uh, I do uh, ask that you please click on the like button there, wherever you're, whatever platform you're listening uh, to us on, click subscribe. It'll help us grow our visibility uh, so others can find it, uh, our, our episodes as well. So until the next time, please stay money fit and stay well. Stay well.